On today's podcast, I broke my own rule. What rule is that? I actually answered how. And I'm joking. I answer how all the time. I just like to challenge you before I answer how. But today's how, today's how is the how. Today's how is all about the Eisenhower matrix, about understanding important versus origin, and basically how to set up your entire environment, your business, to have perspective and clarity on where you spend your time, how to move the needle, and basically protect your progress so your results are basically inevitable. I break it all down. I explain all the difference. We'll link to the article, everything that you need about it. But I'm excited. I love today's article. Article. I love today's episode. And I think I even called myself Mr. Rogers because it felt like we were just hanging out in the neighborhood. None of that really matters. But what does matter is the intro is coming right now. And I hope you enjoy the show. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back. To another episode of the Mind of George Show, and I am getting excited. Why am I getting excited? Oh, I'm getting excited because I'm recording this right now, but in two days I leave and I am taking me and the kiddos to Disney in Florida. My beautiful, incredible wife is in Costa Rica for two weeks, and so we're doing daddy and kiddos to Florida. So I am excited to go be a kid again. So that has me pretty excited. I'm still pretty pumped about this studio of mine that is my office that feels like my home. And it's like getting built out piece by piece. And I just bought two new props for this studio that are going to be in this shot that I am really excited about. Because this is not complete. This is just me being open and transparent about being a work in progress and not hiding about it anymore. Because perfect doesn't exist. Just iterations and steps do. Which is actually... A perfect segue and tie-in to what today's podcast is about. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about the Eisenhower Matrix. The Eisenhower Matrix. And you hear me talk about the word container a lot. And when I talk about the word container, I apply it in a lot of different contexts, depending on what I'm talking about. But basically, when I use the word container, it's about putting a beginning or end or a box around something to kind of give it a moment or a a chapter marker to see it differently. So when I think about like if I have a hundred things to do, I know they all have to get done. But when I use the word container, what I also know is there's some priorities in there. So let me just chunk it down and cover those other 97 and just see the three. And by chunking that down into that container for me, it doesn't mean the other 97 go away, and it doesn't mean I forgot about them. It means I just covered them so I don't have to look at them right now so that I can focus on what's at hand, which creates this opening for me to see it, uh, maybe feel a little relief, have a little bit more capacity, or give me the fact that the only way to even accomplish any of these 100 things is actually just to start by doing one of them. So I use the word container and When I learned this principle from the Eisenhower Matrix and started applying it into my life, 
that's where you have heard me talk about the wedge of expectations with the ceiling and the floor. It came from this and it came from me recognizing throughout my business and throughout my life that um, I didn't really understand how to prioritize. I basically was living my life and living my day in meltdown, right? Everything was a fire all the time. Like I could be working on like one of the biggest projects of my career, let's say uh, working on closing like a million dollar deal, which required energy and effort with the with the proposals and the audits and the plans and the strategies. And then something would happen in my day like, oh, I had an email go out to my audience with the wrong link. And the link wasn't even about buying anything. It was just about my podcast. It was broken. And somebody DM'd me and I saw it. Well, in that moment, I would stop working on that project, which was going to generate me a lot of money as long as I did the work. Like it was already a guarantee. The work was what was missing. And then that thing happened. And so I jumped over there and got upset. And I was like, why is this happening? We got to work on this as a team. Like, what's going on? Like, this shouldn't be here. I don't like this. And completely turning a molehill into a mountain and overreacting and then thinking and believing that that was equally as important as the other thing because I couldn't see the perspective. I didn't have the container. And so this applies kind of across the board. And so on last week's episode, I talked about low power mode. And in low power mode, it's about identifying and recognizing when we are operating at our best, like we're going to go compete for our gold medal today. Like today we feel like we are untouchable to then recognizing when we might be in low power mode and need to regenerate or to recharge, which requires us to intentionally slow down and do an audit of where we're spending our time. And then in doing that audit, we have to recommit and reprioritize based on our current capacity. And the ability to do that successfully comes down to being able to weigh the difference of, let's call them the ingredients in front of you. The ingredients that when you eat them all or chunk them all together or combine them all together, eat that recipe in front of you, that project, that week, whatever that is. And so step one of this game is always getting to a current state, right? And I use that word a ton. I use that phrase a ton. And what I simply mean by that is that if if I need to diagnose a challenge, if I need to diagnose a problem, if I need to make sure my vehicle is running correctly, in order to do so, I need to have an awareness of the whole vehicle. Um, just like if I owned a real estate portfolios of rentals uh, all over the country, and I wanted to ensure this one thing was done, and I wanted to be the one to do it, well, I can't do that remotely. I'm going to have to actually go fly there and check that one thing. And so when I use the term current state, what I'm typically talking about is is taking a moment to pause and do an audit or pull yourself up to 30,000 feet to kind of see what's on your plate. What are all these tasks that are going on? What are these things that are overwhelming me I haven't handled? What are these open loops that are here? Where am I actually spending my time? What's on my plate today? Even though it may feel overwhelming, it's actually the first step and the first path to mitigating it or changing it or shifting it because we have to know everything that's there. And so current state is kind of the first part. So when I talked about low power mode last week, when we got into current state there, it was about having that same state and recognizing that you need low power mode or that you can turn it up or that you're recognizing what's here. So now that you have that current state awareness, it's time to get into prioritizing how to use it.
And so I want to make sure that you understand the importance of this, but also like why I'm teaching this. And I'm teaching this because I, I say this quote all the time from Alex Sharfin, um, how if you're constantly fighting fires, there's a good chance you're the arsonist. Because when I started as an entrepreneur, I I was convinced, like I, I literally believed to my core, there was no other way to succeed, but to hustle and self-sacrifice. And it almost cost me everything. And And quite frankly, it did cost me everything quite a few times. I was just resilient enough to get it all back. Um, But it was hard. And I have now had the pleasure of spending my career meeting some of the most incredible people in my life that have built 100 times the size of my success through multiple people that I've met that have never hustled. And the difference is, is their intentionality. It's their awareness, it's their understanding, and it's their constant awareness and reprioritization that makes them successful, not their ability to hustle. Now, do they hustle sometimes? Have they hustled? For sure. We all get to sprint, but it's not this everyday grind. And so one of the easiest ways to be that way is to avoid what Dwight Eisenhower called uh, the urgency trap. Okay. And so I have this incredible article from Todoist. My team will put it in the show notes and I'm going to be reading bits and parts of it to get the big picture of how to actually do this. And so I am going to talk about how, and when I talk about how, I also want to say this, there are plenty of people listening, myself included, where everything on my list feels important and urgent, important and urgent. And I know that feeling And I know that feeling so well. And so I'm going to address that now before we get into the how. That's going to come up for you. What I have found is that if I can't see the difference between important and urgent, I'm still having an emotional response to whatever is on my plate. And so I cannot find that clarity because there is no way that every single thing on my plate, if half my task list was um, get my son a bath, get him to bed on time with his medicines because he's not feeling well in a meal. And that has to be done in the next 30 minutes if that was on my plate. And then write an email sequence that's not going out for nine days. If I can't delineate the difference between those two things, I have a big challenge that I'm emotionally not seeing something. And so I say this because it is a typically surefire check engine light to go get into your body, to go do breath work, to go move your body, to go work out, to go fill your bucket exercise. Or if you've listened to our podcast on the SOS method, to go use one of the inner tools to try to find clarity. Okay. So now let's get into this. Okay. So for those who don't know who Dwight Eisenhower is, which I didn't until a couple years ago, I mean, I'd heard about him in history, but I really didn't like know who he was. Uh, He was a five-star general during World War II. And he was the 34th president of the United States, uh, quite a productive guy. So during his two terms as president of the United States, he led the construction of the interstate highway system, created NASA, signed into law the first major piece of civil rights legislation since the end of the Civil War, ended the Korean War, welcomed Alaska and Hawaii into the Union, and managed to keep the Cold War with Russia cold. And he did it all with panache. I don't know what panache is, but that's the word that he uses. Eisenhower's Eisenhower was Gallup's most admired man of the year, no less than 12 times. So how was he able to rack up so many accomplishments that he would have, that would have such a lasting impact on his country and the world? 
He understood the fundamental difference between the urgent and the important. In a 1954 speech, Eisenhower quoted an unnamed university president who said, I have two kinds of problems, the urgent and the important. The urgent are not important, and the important are never urgent. Holy moly. I would take a minute to write that one down. I am going to write that down, and I am going to do a post about that on Facebook today because that is a good one. I have two kinds of problems, the urgent and the important. The urgent are not important, and the important are never urgent. Over three decades later in his best-selling book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is a great read if you haven't read it by Stephen Covey, he repackaged Eisenhower's insights into a simple tool to prioritize prioritize tasks. That is now known as the Eisenhower Matrix, which is what I'm going to talk to you about today. It's also called the Time Management Matrix, the Eisenhower Box, the Eisenhower Method, the Urgent Important Matrix. This framework for prioritization helps you combat the mere urgency effect, later uh, eliminate time wasters in your life, I call them not to-dos, and create more mental space to make progress on your goals. So try the Eisenhower Matrix if this is you. If you find yourself running around putting out fires all day, figuratively speaking, if you are busy but don't feel your work has an eye impact, that is typically me, um, have long-term goals but not, no time or energy to make progress on them, that was me, um, have a hard time delegating or saying no, that was me and still is me sometimes, um, and want to be the President of the United States, which that is not me and that is a joke, funny, I don't think anybody listening to this wants that. So this article will walk you through why distinguishing between the urgent and the important are so critical and how this matrix help you do it and how to apply it to your big picture progress, okay? So why are we bad at prioritization? How do we decide which task to give our attention to at any given moment? Well, not very well, it turns out. A recent study in the Journal of Consumer Research set out to examine how people decide what to work on when faced with tasks of mixed urgency and importance. Across five separate experiments, researchers observed a curious pattern. Our attention is drawn to time-sensitive tasks over tasks that are less urgent, even when the less urgent task offers greater rewards. So that is basically saying that we are drawn to tasks that are more time-sensitive, even in that task it does not have as good of a reward, is as easy, or is where we should be spending our time as the one that doesn't have less urgent task. So this psychological quirk is dubbed the mere urgency effect. It explains why we're so bad at task and time management. We're more likely to prioritize tasks with a deadline over tasks without one, regardless of their long-term payoffs. And the effect is even more prominent in people who describe themselves as busy. The same researchers found that self-described busy people were more likely to select urgent tasks with lower payouts because they were already fixated on task duration. If you're already feeling a time crunch, you'll likely continue to prioritize tasks that keep you focused on the clock. Holy moly, that is the reticular activating system at work. Holy, that's good. But there's good news too, because the mere urgency effect can be reversed, and that's where we are right now. Because when participants were prompted to consider the consequences of their choices at the time of selection, they were significantly more likely to choose the important task over the urgent one, i.e. when they created that space to be able to reflect on the current state in reflection of their priorities, they were able to choose the more effective task. 
The findings suggest that if you keep the long-term importance of non-urgent tasks in view, you can overcome the pull toward urgent distractions and focus on what really matters. This is where the Eisenhower matrix come in. So the Eisenhower matrix is basically a four-quadrant system, and you can just Google it. And so think about it as four squares. And in the top left column, it says urgent. In the top right column, it says not urgent. In the first row, it says important. In the second row, it says not important. Okay? And the boxes are basically described as this. If it is, if it is in the urgent and important box, it's a do it. If it's in the not urgent and important box, it's schedule it. If it's in the not important box and urgent box, you delegate it. If it's in the not important and not urgent box, you do my favorite thing in the world, which is delete it. Okay? So the Eisenhower matrix is a simple tool for considering the long-term outcomes of your daily tasks and focusing on what will make you most effective, not just most productive. It helps you visualize all your tasks in, an import, in a matrix of urgent important. All of your day-to-day tasks and bigger projects will fall into one of these four quadrants, which are the ones that I just explained to you a moment ago, which basically break it down into the only four things you can do, which is complete it, schedule it, delegate it, or delete it. And in the real world, the distinction between urgent and non-urgent and important and not important is much murkier than under experimental conditions. And so what they're saying is that the application of this in real life is not something that's going to be copy and paste. I'm going to do this every single time. I'm going to follow this process. It's more of a paradigm, the way that you think about it and the questions you ask yourself to where you do prioritize these things, but you're not going to break it down in this matrix that's going to be black and white. There's going to be ambiguity or a little different approach because you have codependencies in your business on tasks and other things that are not just in an experiment. But this thinking process, this prioritization, this identification thing is the most powerful state of mind that you will have for you and your team. Okay. So how Stephen Covey breaks it down is urgent matters are those that require immediate action. These are the visible issues that pop up and demand your attention now. Often, urgent matters come with clear consequences for not completing the tasks. Urgent tasks are unavoidable, but spending too much time putting out fires can produce a great deal of stress and could result in burnout. Okay, that's urgent. Important matters, on the other hand, are those that contribute to long-term goals and life values. These items require planning and thoughtful action. When you focus on important matters, you manage your time, energy, and attention rather than mindlessly expending these resources. What is important is subjective and depends on your own values and personal goals. No one else can define what's important for you, which is also one of the references to the murkiness. So below is an in-depth look at each of the quadrants and which tasks go hand in hand. So first, we're going to talk about the urgent and important tasks, which is that top left quadrant, okay? So these are the tasks that demand you take action quickly. These items typically have visible deadlines and consequences for stalling on taking action. Most often, these are things that were sprung on you from an external source or things that you put off until faced with a looming deadline. Either way, they require a crisis mode response. So for example, if you're covering for a project for a colleague that's out six or for an employee or a staff member, Uh, If you're driving to work and your car stalls on the highway or gets two flat tires at 11 p.m. 
on the highway in Salt Lake City when it's zero degrees and then your first three Ubers cancel on you because they won't pull over on the side of the highway. Oh, wait, that was me. That happened uh, when I went to Salt Lake City. Uh, or if your sink springs a leak and floods your kitchen in two feet of water, or clients come to you with a pressing problem, or a last-minute deadline is assigned to you. So quadrant one tasks, these tasks, they're inevitable. Even if you never procrastinated, which is an impossible ask, there will always be something beyond your control. However, the problem comes when you focus on these unexpected or deadline-driven tasks to the exclusion of long-term goals that are important to you, i.e., we know these fires are coming. We lose the game when they come, and they take priority, or they grab our priority or attention and take our focus over the things that are actually going to make things more beneficial in the long term that we might need to focus on and find a solution. And so if we're not aware of it, it's a challenge, okay? So Covey cautions that spending too much time on quadrant one task can lead to increased stress burnout and the sense that your days are out of control. Spending all day putting out fires will quickly rob you of energy and passion for your work and may make it easier to settle into mindless escapism, which is found in quadrant four, okay? So that's quadrant one, and that is the urgent and important. Quadrant two is the not urgent and important. Not urgent but important tasks are the activities that help you achieve long-term goals. They may not have a deadline or even an end date, so it is easy to put them off in favor of more urgent tasks. However, these tasks have a much greater effect of your long-term effectiveness in completing your goals. Some examples, planning for long-term and short-term projects, regular chores or maintenance progress, projects professional networking, and personal relationship building, learning a new skill, keeping up with current research in your field, attending educational events, exercise and routine healthcare. So for example, in entrepreneurial world, uh, we all know the importance of our physical health. We all know the importance of eating healthy meals and of sleeping. But I can tell you the thousand times where I was hitting the point in my day where I was like, oh, it's time to go to the gym. And then instead of that, I ended up responding to all the quadrant one tasks that were fires, and then I would keep putting out the fires well convincing myself that not going to the gym was a good idea, and then the day would turn into a week, and it would turn into a month, and then I would lose energy, and then I would sleep less and gain weight. And so there's there's hundreds of examples of these, but those are some of them. So Covey says that quadrant two is the sweet spot of personal time management. This is a spot where you're focused not on problems as with quadrant one, but on opportunities and growth. Living from this quadrant of the matrix means that you are proactive and prioritize activities that grow your skills and energy and contribute to accomplishing meaningful goals. Quadrant two is where deep work, as Cal Newport calls it in his incredible book, which you should read if you have not, happens because you are largely freed of pressing distractions, not because the distractions don't exist, but because they are existing and they are put in a container that allows you to focus based on priority and alignment. So by attending the quadrant two consistently, you decrease the number of pressing problems that pop up in quadrant one. Living in quadrant two means that you can create a plan to complete projects and avoid possible problems. For example, if you keep putting off completing routine car maintenance, you may pay for it later when your car stalls out. So, that is that quadrant, quadrant two, which is not urgent and important. That brings us 
quadrant three, which is urgent and not important. And by the way, we're going to link to this article. It is from Todoist. Um, so an incredible website, task management tool called Todoist. So you can also Google it. You can Google Todoist, avoid the urgency trap, because in that section, they also have a, something called Dig Deeper. And they wrote an entire article for you with team members, whether you have one or 20, where you can learn how to apply this to help your team spend more time in quadrant two as well. Okay. So now we get into quadrant three. Quadrant three is what's called urgent and not important. Urgent and not important. Okay. Urgent but not important tasks are best described as busy work. These tasks are often based on expectations set by others and do not move you closer to your long-term goals. Some examples, unnecessary interruptions from coworkers, checking your phone or email whenever it goes off, responding to certain texts, emails, or social media messages, acting on coupons or limited time offers, some meetings that we go to. So some tangible examples are looking for inspiration on Instagram, right? Or I'm going my inbox for this one thing and then spending the next two hours in there. Or, um, all right, I have to record this video. Uh, let me go watch a couple videos to get inspiration for my hooks. Oh, six hours later, I still don't do the video because I don't have the confidence to do the video. Okay. This is busy work. I'm sure you're thinking about hundreds of examples of busy work in your head, and there is nothing wrong with that. So, first, let me say this everything I'm talking about, we are all guilty of. The way to win is to not feel guilty of it, to not feel bad and wrong about it because it's human, it's normal. We all do it. I was doing it this morning when I got to the office excited to work today. And then I sat in my car in the parking lot and I watched YouTube shorts for 20 minutes until I caught myself. Like I was just doing nothing that I needed to be doing. Okay. So in this quadrant, okay, the busy work quadrant three is where the mere urgency effect lives. The drive to complete tasks because of real or assumed deadlines means you take on tasks that aren't actually meaningful to you. Given that quadrant three tasks are urgent, but typically related to somebody else's priorities, spending too much time in the square can feel like you are doing things you should do rather than what you want to do. Focus on quadrant three tasks may make you feel like you are not living up to your larger life goals or you don't have control over your day-to-day -day life. Covey suggests delegating as many quadrant three tasks as possible. Can you have someone take those meeting notes? Can you get your groceries delivered instead of going to the store? Can you empower your children to do the dishes? Can you hire a digital assistant to schedule family doctor visits? Is there anything in your life you can automate? Because if you can't delegate these tasks, you have to try to keep them from taking over your day, right? So what are some examples? Well, this is where I talk about environmental design and I'm so bullish on it, right? So you can turn off notifications on your phone and computer when working. You can uninstall social media apps on your phone so you can only go to them on the computer. Uh, you can be clear with others about how much time you can spend on a given task. For example, there's nothing wrong, and I do this with my team all the time, um, if we have a quick call for 10 minutes and then they say something on the call and I'm like, listen, I would love to talk about this and I want to. I don't have time right now because of this other priority and this is going to take like 30 minutes. So can we do it this afternoon or tomorrow, right? So that's being clear, which helps mitigate this. So you can save Q3 tasks or quadrant three tasks for times and you are on very low on energy rather than uh, putting them first thing in the morning, right? So some of those tasks, when we talked about low power mode on the previous podcast, some of those tasks 
are busy work and some of them do need to be done, but you can also save them if they are things that you need to do, knowing that they aren't a massive priority. But when you get into that low power mode where you can go do it, I do that a ton on airplanes. I can't focus a ton on airplanes. And so when I'm on airplanes, I use a ton of low power mode stuff. So I unsubscribe from emails. I clean my inbox. I clean up my calendar. Um, I organize receipts. I, uh, you know, I clean up a ton of things that just require that they be done. And I haven't delegated them out. And sometimes I prefer to do them, but they are low energy. And um, I use them. I use those in that time when I just want to focus on accomplishing things, but I don't want to have to think about it. Okay. And so then another one is like negotiate your workload with your boss and practice saying no. Okay. So quadrant three is the urgent and not important bucket. Okay. Which brings us to the last quadrant, which is quadrant four. Okay. Quadrant four is not urgent and not important. Now, not urgent and not important tasks are time wasting activities that should be ruthlessly cut out. That is what it says. I agree. I would even use more aggressive terms. These activities don't contribute to progress on your goals, but can end up taking over large chunks of time. For example, watching TV for hours, mindlessly refreshing social media and scrolling, avoidance activities such as sorting and organizing email rather than answering it, excessive shopping or online browsing or insert the other 100,000 that I've eradicated from my life and they still pop up in other ways. Quadrant four is the quadrant of excess and immediate gratification that ultimately leaves you feeling unfulfilled. Don't get me wrong, we all need some leisure time. Eisenhower himself was a well-known bridge player even playing nightly up to D-Day and was famously criticized for his many golf trips while in the office. The key is that these activities were a balance for the many stressful aspects of being a political leader. However, if you're not intentional about it, the way you spend your downtime can actually drain your energy, passion, and creativity. A recent study published in the Journal of Applied Psychology found that how employees spend their off-job leisure time is a strong predictor for how much energy and positivity they expressed the following workday. Employees who engaged in self-mastery activities such as exercise or volunteering or self-education or pursuing their passion or hobbies were more motivated the following day. Employees who relaxed with yoga, meditation, or by listening to music approached the workday more calmly. Employees who engaged in distraction activities to avoid or ignore problems, like watching excess TV, uh, did show a renewed positivity the following workday. However, the continued use of distraction their moods and motivation worsened as the week continued. In other words, distraction and moderation was okay, but habitual distraction resulted in less satisfaction, less satisfaction overall. So how do you rebalance your quadrants? So according to Stephen Covey, quadrant two is the quadrant of quality, where time spent engaging these tasks increases your overall effectiveness. This is where personal and professional growth meets planning, prevention, and action. To evaluate where you are currently on the matrix, Start tracking your time and tasks. I talk about this all the time. There are hundreds and hundreds of ways to do this. Everybody should be doing this anyways, at least two times a year. But you start tracking your tasks and time. Specifically, what tasks you're doing, whether you're supposed to be doing them or not. This is not about being wrong or bad. This is about actually being honest and documenting it. And then integrously documenting how much time it took you. So there are times where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast. It'll take me 20 minutes. 
And there are times I can do that, but there are times where that turns into a two-hour rabbit hole. And I need to have an integrous relationship with time so that I can use it accordingly to help myself be effective. So you start by tracking your time and tasks, okay? And so once you have a few days worth of data, you set some time and you intentionally sit down and organize your tasks into quadrants by asking the following questions. Was this urgent for me or was this important to me? And remember that you are only deciding these criteria based on your desired outcomes, not someone else's. Like if you have no aspirations to be a marathon runner, then it is not probably on your list to say it's super, super important for you to make sure that you run five miles a day. Okay. So it has to be aligned to you. Okay. Once your tasks are sorted into the appropriate quadrants, examine where your time is currently being spent. Are you happy with your quadrant balance? So if you spend a lot of time in Q1, quadrant one, okay, invest time in planning to anticipate and prevent problems, right? So if you find yourself in quadrant one all the time, which happens, it happens to every one of us. And even when you eradicate, when the business changes, when your amount of sales change, when customers change, when employees change, when focuses change, it will come back and will require a re-audit. And so if you spend a lot of time in quadrant one, invest time planning to anticipate and prevent problems. So you do that by organizing a weekly or even monthly plan around your current goals and deadlines. And at the end of each week, do a weekly review. Reflect on how well your plan worked and adjust for the next week. If most of your quadrant one tasks come from external sources, strategize how you can better plan and anticipate them. You may need to develop a more proactive workflow with a colleague or client or talk to your boss about rebalancing an excessive workload. If there's a particular client who's creating a lot of quadrant one tasks, the work may not be worth the stress. But irregardless, your awareness of this is what allows you to find the possible solutions to mitigate it. So then if you find yourself spending a lot of time in quadrant three, delegate, eliminate, or limit the amount of time you spend on these tasks. So what's the next step? You strategize and write out specific steps on how you'll limit these tasks. Can you delegate them? Can you just say no? Can you batch these type of tasks together in a single afternoon during your week? Can you have an open discussion with your employees or your boss or yourself just about how much time you're spending on busy work and schedule time in your week to take these steps? And so this is also another spot where you can introduce automation. My dear friend Ari Mysel is an incredible author, writes books on this, and they're all great. So it's A-R-I-M-I-E-S-E-L, Ari Mysel. Um, but you can use automations and you can use tools to eliminate some of these tasks as well. So then if you spend your time in quadrant four, you may be stuck in a rut, stressed, or avoiding problems. So what's your next step? Your next step is to use your time tracking to identify the biggest time wasters and strategize how to avoid or limit them. And so you then get to develop a proactive plan to overcome procrastination before you're tempted to procrastinate. Remember, it's okay to just relax sometimes. But activities in this quadrant have diminishing returns when they are used excessively. And so as you continually to shift your priorities towards quadrant two, keep using the Eisenhower matrix to know what you should be working on day to day. Okay. And then if you use this article specifically, it breaks it down how to use it in Todoist, which is their platform, which is great. Okay. Now, I want you to think about this. I talk about a lot of this 
personally, and I share this with a lot of you all the time because it's been so powerful for me. So if you want a quick refresher, when you think about my wedge of expectations, right? My wedge of expectations are what's important to me in my life. And so that allowed me to sit down and say, what do I want to be? Who do I want to be a year from now, both in my business and both in my life? And then I took those and I put those in my sacred lightkeeper quadrants, right? Which I've taught you all about. And those sacred lightkeeper quadrants break my life down into four buckets, my body, my business, my being, and my brain, okay? Now, that is not everything I do in my day. That is foundationally the things that I plan on doing every single day because they are important to me. They are quadrant two tasks, okay? And then when I have those quadrant two tasks, I then identify my ceiling and my floor. That's my wedge of expectations, And what I'm saying is these are tasks that are important to me. So how am I going to measure that importance? Well, on my bad days, it would be five minutes of exercise. And on my good days, it would be an hour. And that is how I would measure my um, success on those because they're important to me, right? And so then I take that wedge of expectations and I use that as my foundational measure and my plan every day to focus on my quadrant two activities because I'm hitting my business, my body, my mind, and everything in that quadrant, okay? So then I start operating my day. And no matter what, my day is going to be influenced by other people. And so then when it's influenced by other people, I basically filter it through one of four filters. It's not typically something going in my quadrant two. So it's in quadrant one, quadrant three, or quadrant four, right? So if it's in quadrant one and it's this super important, super urgent, I'm going to have to assess it. And then I assess it. And then based on that assessment, I know how important it is. And if I have to do it, if I can delegate it, or if all I needed to be was aware of it, right? And so then I just constantly ask myself these questions about, okay, this is at hand. Here's my audit in this reflection time. Where am I going to spend my time? And so by doing that, I get this awareness of this will take 10 minutes. Okay, this is super important. Okay, I shouldn't be doing this. And then the ones that I identify that really, really do need me, I then have to look in the lens of my quadrant two and say, these things have to be done. And these are the things that I'm spending my time on. How do I make a plan to win both? How do I hire somebody? How do I do anything? In my opinion, I think the easiest way to win this game is to recognize that the more awareness you have constantly of the field, the more evidence you have to help you prioritize and intentionally take action, knowing that it's going to change quite often. And so it's really about using these frameworks and using these exercises to create clarity in areas where you're overwhelmed. Maybe it's a specific project. Maybe it's your day. Maybe it's your week. Maybe it's your thing. But then once you have the clarity to just keep using the state of thinking to get yourself back on task or to get yourself back on priority or to realize that priorities have changed and things have to be reassessed and readjusted. And so how I use this is that when I find myself in Q4 activities, quadrant four, which are the time wasters, the things that aren't good for me, that's where my SOS model comes in. And that's what I talk to you guys about. And that's recognizing when I'm in a pattern or behavior that isn't serving me, how do I mitigate that or make a plan to turn it from an unintentional time waster to an intentional moment? And that's how I use the SOS to get back into these quadrants. And so these quadrants on how I applied them were by making my sacred lightkeeper quadrants by making my wedge of expectations and by designing my SOS to allow me to stay focused here and allow this to be my barometer so my environment around me dictates that my constant focus is that long-term goal, 
or all those quadrant two activities that are important for me to get there. And so I wanted to explain this at length. I wanted to share this with you because this has been one of the most critical reasons that I've had the success that I've had. And and that's not even financially. That's in my happiness. That's in my relationship. That's with my self-love. That's even with my body as I sit here recording this, the lightest I've been in 10 years with ease. And I don't have any structure to my eating and to my working out right now, but it's working and it's flowing. And so I'm in like the best place ever. And it's all coming because of the things that I talked about in this podcast. And so I wanted to share this with you because it's been so important for me and so powerful for me. And so I'm going to invite you to play with it, to think about it, to dive into it, to go look at the Eisenhower Matrix, go find somebody explaining it on a YouTube video uh, and start practice it and playing with it and using it uh, because I think it's really, really important. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. And that's what I got. So when you pair this with low power mode, it's all like win-win, game-game, go-go-go, and then just maximize the best that you can get. So that's how I'm going to wrap today. I really appreciate you spending this time with me. I don't know why. I just envisioned myself as Mr. Rogers, um, even though I barely ever even watched that show, but I appreciate you coming to my neighborhood today. So this has been another lovely episode of the Mind of George show. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms, especially the one with yourself. Have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful week. Have a beautiful month. Know that you are loved. Know that I appreciate you. I am proud of you. And I know you can do whatever you set your mind out to do. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being in my community. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Thank you for being on my social media. Just thank you for giving me the gift of your presence and your joy and your wins and your attention and your time every single day. I am honored. I am humbled. And I feel so incredibly loved and gifted and grateful that I get to talk to you every single day. And I just wanted to say that. So thank you. Have a beautiful day. Uh, If you know anybody who could benefit from this podcast, please send them the episode. Maybe tell them about our slice of crazy. I love our community and I need your help in spreading it. And so um, I would love to continue to grow this podcast. We are doing an incredible job. uh, And I think the content's powerful. I I like to think that I have one of the best podcasts in the world. (laughs) And I don't know if I have any evidence to say that. I just say that so I believe it. So I keep working on it because I love doing it. So I'm just going to say that. But if you do believe that, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, And shoot the episode to somebody. Let them know about the show. Please spread the word. If you have a, a big podcast you listen to that you love and you think I'd be a good fit for your show or their show, please reach out. Make an introduction. Tell them I'd love to jump on the call and uh, jump on the show. But either way, I'm going to wrap it. Uh, I think I just get a missed call from Disney because uh, because I'm going there in a couple days. So I'm going to go handle that. So I love you. Have a good day. This is it. Uh, remember, relationships will always beat algorithms, especially the one with yourself. So you will either see me in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, we're out. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, 
my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.